Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Lisa Anderson here with you, and as I usually do, a little preview of what's coming up. Later on for our inbox, we have a single guy who's wondering if it's his responsibility to find a spouse or if God is going to send him someone or maybe it's somewhere in between. So I'm going to give him some advice on that. And then for our culture segment, Stacy Thoreen is here. She's going to tell a little bit about her story of coming to Christ after a very successful uh, career as a swimmer uh, in college and beyond. And she's going to talk really about also learning how to study the Bible and be in it every day and what that has meant for her personally. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. Well, here we are for our roundtable, and uh, we are continuing our series on respectable sins, which I have to give a nod uh, to the late, great Jerry Bridges, who wrote the book titled uh, Respectable Sins. He also went to my church, but I don't want to just be a name dropper. Um, but anyway, we're having a good time uh, in a series here of conversations around real people grappling with these so-called respectable sins. And so we've talked about self-control, and this week we are talking about discontentment. So, and you know, the whole framework around this stuff is they're kind of those things that we like to act like we're not really responsible for them. Like that's not really sin. Maybe it's just like a personality issue or maybe it's just the way we're wired or something like that. But uh, we see throughout scripture that, nope, there's some stuff in here that we're going to have to grapple with and bring before the Lord. And so thankfully, um, I have got <laughs> Casey, Sean, and Kendra here. Hey, guys. Hey, Lisa. All right. Well, it's good to have you guys as part of the conversation um, to talk about discontentment. And I want to kind of start off by just getting so that we can kind of get the lay of the land here. And you guys um, talking about what when you think of this, especially as it applies to you, what are you thinking of? Because, you know, discontentment is an attitude um, in a sense. It's a you know, it's not like you're walking around with a shirt on that says, you know, I'm discontent or whatever. So it's one of those that you can probably cloak or make excuses for or whatever. But how have you guys wrestled with it in your own life? What are the specifics around that? I have always thought before that discontentment had primarily to do with material things. I did a study on it in the Bible, and I came away thinking, okay, discontentment is when you want to buy more things and you can't because you can't afford it, and you need to have a good attitude about that. And then I thought, well, I'm okay about that. I don't struggle with discontentment. And I patted myself on the back, and I thought I could just move on and try to grow in other areas. But unfortunately, thank you, God, I've recently began to realize that discontentment is a lot more sneaky than that. It comes down to, for me personally, it comes down to feeling discontentment with where I am or how my life is panning out. And, and that's a lot harder to kind of walk through. Okay. So like kind of expectations of like where you should be by now in your life and or career and or just kind of setting the measuring rod against other people, probably? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will tell you how well we think you're doing, Kendra. Um, oh, after, <laughs> after we're I'm done. sure that won't help my discontentment <laughs> at all. Oh, no. Sean, how about you? Yeah, I like your uh, mention of expectations, uh, you know, of expectations on what I would experience or what something would be like, but then also like a forecast expectation of like what I expect where I expect this to go. And so I think like, particularly in my time in college where I start, my expectations looking forward were grayer 
like looking at my degree, just dissatisfied with what I thought I was learning, you know, and discontent um, in the purest sense of like where I was and where I was going. And so, uh, but I think what, even once you identify that, like it's about, I don't know, it's about your reaction to it. Um, Cause that discontentment I think is a good indicator. It's, it's a healthy indicator in a sense, you know, like you should have a gauge on where you're going mm-hmm. and on the state of things. Yeah. All right, Casey. Yeah. Best for last. <laughs> no. So what I consider um, the most difficult seasons of my life have been when I've been so discontent with where I've, like Sean was saying, I expected more from my life and instead this is how it's turned out. And I've put my hope in things of the world instead of in Christ. And like uh, the Proverbs say, um, hope deferred makes the heart um, sick. And so I would feel that sickness and and compare myself to friends who are maybe married at 21 or 22 and um, chose degrees that are making six figures now. (laughs) And uh, Mm -hmm. there's that materialistic aspect too, but it's, it, for me, it comes down to a lot of comparison and really identity and just I've I've based my identity off of how I'm doing in comparison with other people and really that is um, something I've struggled with my whole life so this is actually the perfect topic for me because <laughs> I am huh. I'm like I'm the most discontent person ever but the Lord does work on me um, and you can tell over time the seasons and just saying like Lord thank you that I live with joy now and um, but it's still a struggle and it's always going to be a struggle. Yeah. Now, where do you guys go with this? Would you say, cause you're usually, I mean, we're talking about comparisons and stuff here. Do you normally go to, I'm discontent because I have failed or this is somehow I've messed this up. Or do you tend to look at like, because this person's gotten a better break than I have, or they've just gotten, you know, they just have more opportunity or, or whatever. Like how, where do you land on this as far as, um, putting, how this came about, you know, I don't want to say blame or whatever, but just kind of where you're landing on this. I have to admit, on a bad day, and I have a lot more bad days than I wish I had, I blame God. Mm -hmm. I think, well, God, I have, you know, some abilities or I have some skills. Why aren't you letting me get to the places? You know, if I find out I didn't get the job I applied for, I think, well, I think I did a pretty good job with my application. I think I did a pretty good job with my interview. I believe in the sovereignty of God. And I guess what I'm really ultimately questioning is the goodness of God. Because Mm -hmm. I think, why is he holding back this good thing from me? And I think that manifests in me a bit differently, which takes a bit of vulnerability to say this. But um, I I think I get more in uh, complacency or just... Like I don't, I don't think I get angry at God. You know, if I if I take his his default as true that God is good and He has my best intentions and He knows everything, then I don't think I have anything to hold against God. But I think then, alternatively, I would think oh, it's just a matter of time. You know, where I may take myself out of an active role. Um, you know, and just think like, okay, well, it's not the time now, or you know, God has different ideas for me and so I think yeah I might lose a bit proactivity uh, when I get discontent because I think it's like all right then it's going to come together in some other way (laughs) so you just kind of start coasting you're like whatever okay (laughs) yeah all right you say what's the point (laughs) yeah unfortunately okay yeah I feel that Sean because 
I think when earlier in my life, I kind of would see other people and say, well, they got these great opportunities. Why don't I get those opportunities? I'm just as good, things like that. Um, but then as I would grow up <laughs> and gain maturity, I hope, I would just, I realize you need to make things happen in that way sometimes. And I mean, I think as Christians, it's easy for us to be like, well, God can steer or he can, he can steer a non-moving car or something like that. I've heard that saying, mm. um, mm. he can move a ship that's not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm butchering the, <laughs> <laughs> but still, and I think there does require movement on our part and we have to actively trust God. And that doesn't mean not doing anything. And so for me, I just expected these opportunities to come up and that was that complacency and, um, yeah. Yeah. So what, okay, so I want you guys to actually think and express, and this is also going to require you to be vulnerable. What does your discontent self look like? So what are you feeling and what are other people seeing when you are discontent? Oh, you weren't kidding about the vulnerability, <laughs> were you? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I know lo- my answer. I think I'm just going to let <laughs> the others answer first. Okay. Yeah, Sean. No. Um, yeah. In discontentment, uh, I think... I don't know. I don't think I'm a static person in discontentment. I think it's more of like a timeline where uh, I think due to my upbringing, um, just being a competitive family, aspirational family, you know, when things go uh, unexpectedly, uh, I kind of I push back, you know, and I, I, I think of myself as a capable person. And uh, and so I think I push back. But if, you know, if things are just um, stacked against me, you know, if things are overbearing um then i can get into that defeatist mode into that coast mode that i mentioned earlier um and uh, yeah i might have some revivals there you know once i get feeling better and try to fight against what is making me discontent but um also i don't know um uh, i'll stop there actually okay what discontentment looks like for me um I feel like to other people is that I, I don't show up to support others the way I should. And I don't have this joy in my heart. When I look at their successes, I don't celebrate with them. I don't mourn with them even when things go bad. Cause I'm, I'm constantly thinking my life should be look more like yours. And so I cannot enter into a real place with them of authenticity. And, uh, for me, that's where I can build deeper relationships is by being authentic and if I'm constantly judging myself compared to them, um, they don't see me show up that way. And that's such a tragedy for me. Mm-hmm. Boy, Casey, that is so true. Because <laughs> I do the same thing, maybe in a slightly different way. But the more discontent I feel, the less focus on others and the less loving yeah. I am of others. I become entirely internal focused. And suddenly it all becomes about me. That's that's what I hate to admit, but it's true. Um, I become so much more prideful the more discontent I am. The more, I become more entitled. Um, yeah. And then I find myself boasting. To it, You know, I'll be at a party, and I'll find myself talking about my accomplishments as though somehow I can undo my discontentment by proving otherwise by the things I say to people. Yeah. And I can hear myself doing it, and I think, oh... Kendra, <laughs> back mm-hmm. up, and, and you've got to work this out with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can justify that so easily, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, especially if once I go in, like I said, you know, fighter mode, you know, 
I mean, you know, you can justify streamlining, tunnel vision, you know, focusing on yourself, you know, and, and I think especially in today's culture with such an emphasis on that self-care, you know, but kind of twist it, you know, I don't know. And we're not truly, truly ourselves by ourselves, you know, I mean, we're created for community. And so you can't fully be yourself, you're your full healthy self if you're just isolated. Yeah, I found myself in the past, like going through, I have this little unofficial checklist in my head of all the like difficult things in life that I've endured and but how faithful I've been in some areas you know (laughs) quote quote faithful Um, and then I look at other people you know whether in my family or whatever and I'm like okay Lord so I wouldn't say on paper they've been as faithful as I have so why do I have more xyz fill in the blank problems struggles issues you know so it's it's just so easy to start keeping like I said you keep a tally sheet of what that looks like. All right. So I want to talk about this as sin so that we don't uh, forget to do this. Because again, I alluded to the fact that this is where I put, I call this the small group litmus test. If you're sharing in your small group, you know that no one, you're going to say something, you're going to be vulnerable. No one in your group is going to be like, oh my goodness, that's terrible. You're like a terrible sinner. And let's just start by repenting and figuring out a way to fix you. No, everyone is going to be like, oh, you're not like that. You're not. (laughs) We all want to enable everyone in our stuff. (laughs) We all want to be the person who's just going to be an encourager. But we know, let's start in the Old Testament. The Israelites were discontent about every single thing they encountered, even when God had given them great blessing the same day. Okay. Um, I'm thinking of, I was just looking through, um, uh, you know, some of the passages where they're with Moses, you know, and clearly Moses is having to run interference on stuff. Well, even Jesus in John uh, makes the statement to his own disciples, don't grumble amongst yourselves. So, you know, it's very easy for us to look and see. Well, and then um, uh, later on uh, in scripture, what's the passage? Oh, I don't have the reference here. The um, oh, first Timothy, I think the godliness with contentment is great gain. So we see the converse of that, of it, how it's a good thing. Um, so let's talk about this, about where have you in your life faced the music and said, okay, this is not an appropriate response. I'm going to have to repent of this. This has to change. And again, we're talking about stuff that's like, we will struggle with this. If this is a sin struggle for us, it's not like we just snap our fingers and, oh, it's fixed. I'm amazing now. Um, and, and it's a journey. But what does that journey look like for you guys? Mm-hmm. A few years ago, I was absolutely 100% content with where I was. And I th- I thought, well, this is what contentment looks like. I'm, I'm, I was checking the boxes. I was using my gifts. I was valued for my skills. I was content. And I, I think what God's doing now is he's saying, well, I, I don't have that anymore. I'm not in that place anymore. Things have changed. He's put me in a new place. And God is saying, Kendra, what about now? Are you able to be content now? Are you able to trust me in this place? And what I hadn't realized is that my contentment before that I, I don't even know if contentment's the right word because at that time it was based entirely on my circumstances. Maybe it was just happiness, uh, which is good too, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a spiritual gift that I thought that I had at the time. But God's teaching me now so much more importantly, Kendra, can you be content when it's about me, not about where you are, not about the circumstances in your life. And that's what I'm walking through right now. And it's 
it's a journey and it's a hard one. It's, it's a painful journey because um, I wonder sometimes if maybe this isn't something that's going to be answered and solved. And then, you know, two years from now, I'll feel content from then on. <laughs> I, I would love to think that that would be true, but I don't think that's how God works. I think that sometimes he has us walk through the trials and the struggles that he wants us to learn and grow in, but we're not going to find perfection in them. But if we keep walking with him, maybe we'll find peace. Hmm. Um, I'm reminded of just my chapter changes, um, transitions, high school to college and then college to post-college with a lot of distrust. And with retrospect, what I would call distrust Um, in the moment, I'd probably just call it anxiety or indecision. Um, But, you know, again, if I go down that checklist of God knows everything, God loves me. Uh, and he's good. Um, yeah, I should never be to that point of distrust where I'm like beside myself or acting, you know, sinfully, you know, um, where that distrust goes against God. Um, but I think that's just the, you know, knowing something in your head and knowing something in your heart and then acting on it. Just our human side is just, is just fighting with that. Um, you know, what our senses perceive in the world with our fears of, instability or indecision countered with, you know, God that we have faith in that has our best interest. And so, yeah, just every, every chapter change feeling like the onus is on me, you know, um, and, and trying to take full command and like mitigate all risks. Um, and that's just not, that's not necessary. And it's a freeing, it's a double-edged sword, a bittersweet truth that it's not up to me. Um, and so the discontentment, I think should manifest into just motivation and just change perspective. The Lord has been really working on my heart in this area in the last few weeks because I had been noticing um, as a volunteer at my church with the youth group that um, there are certain leaders that the girls just want to be around. Like they just constantly, uh, they want to be that person later in life. They're cool. They have tattoos. They love Jesus. They date drummers, (laughs) things like that. And I just found myself. Hey, that's big. That matters. That is huge. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, just thinking to myself, well, I want to be liked. I want them to want to be around me and for me to be cool and ask my opinion and wisdom. And the Lord just challenged me and said, well, why do you want that? Is it for them or is it because it would make you feel better and it would it would stroke your ego and. I just had to come back to the Lord and say, you are right. I, I struggle with this because I feel like I'm not enough and that what I actually have to offer won't be enough for these women. And that's what I want to contribute to the kingdom. And so in the end, he's just, it's a daily struggle though. And I still find myself, Lord, I repent every single day. And I know that you have a plan for my life. And I remember what you've done in the past. I remember that you've brought me out of death and darkness into the light and whose opinion really matters in the end. And he's just constantly telling me it's, it's his, it's Jesus's opinion and to appreciate my own story. And again, this is where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. And it's that daily repentance and daily seeking how he views me. Yeah. Well, Casey, you kind of moved into my my final question, so I want to give uh, Kendra and Sean a chance to respond as well. And that is, what? So, what does this look like for you tomorrow, next week, next year, as you fight for contentment in life? How do you go after it, and how are you hoping to see, uh, you know, see some gains made in your own heart here? 
I don't know, my biggest or a mantra I like to take away as I grow up is just do the right thing. You know, in retrospect, it seems so obvious to do the right thing. Like, you know, trust God, you know, you know, just do the right thing, uh, more or less. And so, I don't know, tomorrow and moving forward, um, again, like we're flawed, sinful humans. So it's naive to think I'm going to live a perfect life. But just, you know, going, not going against my conscience, you know, keeping myself in community, trusting God, you know. That discontentment comes from distrust, so running the opposite direction, trusting God. And trusting God isn't just a passive thing, like we mentioned before. Um, trusting God is following his commandments and, you know, reading the book that he gave us and practicing the, the practices that he's taught us and commanded us to. And I think that's a bigger, broad brushstroke that'll cover over us instead of micromanaging everything that we could be discontent you know, psychologically, you know, take a psychological approach. The spiritual approach is a much broader stroke. Uh, and so that's, that's, that might be my direction. That is my direction moving forward. Sean, I liked how you talked about the chapter changes and the way that, you know, you graduated high school, graduated college, and that brought discontentment because of the changes. That's something I've really experienced, too. I think that's what's been more difficult to me is, is those changes, especially when I didn't want them. And uh, it makes me think of recently I moved a plant. I had this plant that was growing so well in our living room. It was big and beautiful and lush, right? I don't know how that happened. I'm not good at plants. <laughs> but um, I moved it into a different room because I wanted to decorate that room, and the plant just wilted. It did not like the change. It didn't want to be in this new room with this new kind of light. And I think that's how I am sometimes is I'm wilting under the change. But I think God... It, it reminds me of the, the quote, bloom where you're planted. Is that kind of an old-fashioned quote? <laughs> but that's what it reminds me of, is I think God has, has put me in a new place, and he's done it on purpose. Mm. And the change might kind of take some adjustment for me. It might wilt me. But if I can remember, uh, as Jerry Bridges said in his book, Respectable Sins, he says, if we can remember God's sovereignty, that he's in control, if we can remember his wisdom, that he knows what he's doing, and if we can remember his goodness, that he wants something good and best for me, and he has the wisdom and sovereignty to do it perfectly, mm -hmm. then maybe I can just calm down and trust him that this new location is a place where I can bloom where I'm planted, and I don't need to just totally wilt under these changes. Well, and practically, um, what helps me a lot with discontentment is staying away from social media every hour of the day. <laughs> and I just wanted to put that out there because yeah. I think seeing everybody else's highlights and comparing it to your lowlights, mm -hmm. that has always been a struggle for me as well. And um, just refocusing, like you were saying, um, on planting yourself where you are and, and grounding yourself in the Word of God and your identity in Him. And sometimes that means putting those boundaries around things like social media or getting real and authentic with your friends and um, being invested in the story of their life, not just at, at a at a surface level, but being able to be authentic with them and having them be authentic with you so you see all sides of it. Yeah, good Absolutely. point. Well, you guys, uh, thanks so much for weighing in with your own experiences and your own stories here because I think it's something, you know, probably uh, half of the folks listening, if they didn't think they were discontent, now they do. 
And so it's like, okay, well, it's just one of those things where we can all kind of find ourselves in the story a little bit, I think. So I think you guys being willing to say that and just be like, you know, it's not something that has to always rule your life, but it's just there. And Satan uses what he can to trip us up, Mm -hmm. you know? And so uh, we can be encouraged that with God's help and as Sean alluded to in community, um, we can help each other limp along, hopefully to victory. (laughs) So thanks, you guys. Thank Thank you, Lisa. Not just a thing up in the sky, a sweet by and by, no, no, not just a set of pearly gaze of angels with wings, no, it's more heaven. Folks, for our culture segment this week, um, we've got Stacy Thoreen here on the show, and we're going to talk about uh, something that she has grown in uh, in the past years, I guess, um, decades, maybe even at this point, decade. Um, But that is reading scripture. And it's kind of like one of those things that all of us wish we did more of it, wish we did it better, Mm -hmm. wish we enjoyed it more, whatever. And then we just kind of like self-shame and get weird about it and try all these random plans and act like we're on some kind of, you know, weird uh, reduction diet or something and (laughs) get all angsty about it. So, Stacey, welcome to The Boundless Show, and we're excited about today's conversation. Hey, thanks for having me on, Lisa. It's great to be talking with you today. Well, this is fun. Um, you are you're an author and a speaker. Um, you do a lot in the realm, um, especially for just encouraging moms because you're now married and you're a mom, um, helping them kind of get into the word, which is very tricky as well. Um, basically, anyone who's just kind of like struggling with you know, time in the day. I mean, it seems like we're all crazy. Um, Our days are cannibalized, whether we're working, whether we're at home, whether we're, you know, suppose we we say we're doing all these good things. And then we look and we have like nine hours of screen time per day on various social media platforms and gaming. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. just me, whatever. Um, But I want you to actually back up because I I like, um, you know, and just reading a little bit and hearing from you a little of your own story. This isn't like, Mm -hmm. hey, I grew up in this super Christian home and knew Jesus from a young age and and all mm-hmm. of that. Uh, tell us a little bit about, about your background and kind of what you prioritized early in your life and kind of where you went mm-hmm. from there. Yeah, I grew up on the East Coast in northern New Jersey, to be exact. And um, uh, around nine years old was when I started pretty much full-time year-round club swimming. And Swimming is what God used to get me uh, away from the East Coast. I I really wanted to go as far away as I could. (laughs) And it was the University of Iowa was where I landed. And um, it was just kind of an interesting journey for me growing up because I was, you know, the swimmer in my family. I was the swimmer. I was known by a lot of my classmates uh, and schoolmates as the swimmer. And when you get to Iowa, it was from the East coast. It was this huge culture shock to begin with. Um, 
and just trying to kind of find my my new place, my new identity, if you will. Um, I still was a swimmer because I was swimming for the University of Iowa. Um, but again, just, you know, immersed in a different culture and different demographics and everything. And it was when I was a sophomore at the University of Iowa. So this was the March of 2002, thereabouts. A teammate, uh, Nancy Lee Underwood Foster, uh, is now her name. Um, she was a springboard diver, and she springboarded me into a relationship with Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, she just was willing to have just a lot of compassion towards me and prayed for me. And we just had some really unique discussions uh, about religion, about faith, about God in general. And it was through uh, one discussion in particular that she had the opportunity to lead me to Jesus, and um, it just completely blew me out of the water, if you will, mm-hmm. <laughs> from that moment on. Because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an overnight re-makeover, if you will. Um, it was. It has been this gradual, steady process with the Lord, and um, I'm, I'm grateful for her. And she actually represented the United States in the 2008 Summer Games in the three-meter springboard diving competition. Hmm. Um, and we still keep in touch. Uh, and uh, just just grateful that where I was at, this place of just uncertainty, not really knowing who I was, my identity, feeling overwhelmed. And also just I was in an unhealthy relationship at the time. I didn't know what I wanted to study. You know, it was just this, I refer to it as kind of this internal growth spurt. Mm-hmm. You know, this this wrestling, this shaking, this, this brokenness. Hmm. And, you know, she just came in and Ephesians three fourteen through 21 was a verse she gave to me in a card at a swim meet. And that's Paul's prayer to uh, the Ephesians. Uh, he prays that those people would come to know how high and how wide and how deep is the love of Christ. Yeah. Well, it's so cool because it's like, you know, not many of us would think, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, and and of course, this is how we're supposed to um, share the gospel and how we, you know, are salt Mm -hmm. and light in the world and stuff is just as we're going about our days and in conversations Mm -hmm. with people. And clearly, Mm -hmm. you know, swimming at that kind of level can be intense and you're going to spend a lot Mm -hmm. of time with other people who are doing the same Mm -hmm. thing. And I just think Mm -hmm. it's so neat that God really prompted her and had was working so much in her own life to have the outflow of that kind of touch you in a way that you guys were able to have those conversations. And I think that's so great because we, you know, we've talked about evangelism here on the show and the whole idea of like, it just seems so awkward or scary or like, are people going to like ask me all these questions I can't answer? Mm -hmm, Or am mm -hmm, I going to come across mm -hmm. like a weirdo? And, but clearly (laughs) God was just like working in your heart to receive that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that Nancy Lee just, had just this, it just flowed out of her. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I'm using all of these like water imagery, <laughs> you know, uh, things here, but I mean, it really did. And it just, uh, through her diving and just through her attitude, and it just, it made a, an impression on me. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting because I know you've said too, you know, and again, we, we want to think of this in such a linear fashion of like, okay, so I was all into swimming and, you know, make that into something like big and idolatrous and it, it could be, you know, whatever. But then, but then I met Jesus and then I was just all about like being in the Bible. But you actually say 
you know, it wasn't. There were a lot more stops mm-hmm. and starts. And I think that is where so many Christians are. It's like they have, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, you know, if, if they had a conversion experience that they can remember, you know, maybe as an older child or as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then they have maybe this kind of like period of like, oh, my goodness, this is all new. It's amazing. God changed my life. But then there is the walking out the daily faith, you know, being in the word of God that isn't always just easy. And it's not always, you know, sunshine and unicorns and you're learning something (laughs) every day. So um, talk, talk to us a little bit about what, you know, about the habit of developing scripture reading, because I know you're very passionate about this and, you know, help demystify it for us a little bit. Okay, I'll try. (laughs) I mean, I think that, um, for me, it was like, so, okay, so I came to know the Lord in March of 2002, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until March of 2013 that I made another commitment, and that was the commitment to start reading the Bible every day. And that year, the beginning of 2013, the church we were attending at that time, um, at that time we were living out in Massachusetts, and they were really hitting home on the topic of the importance of reading the Bible every day. And... So I had been reading the Bible often. You know, we were in a Bible community group study, you know, and we were volunteering at church. We were attending church regularly, et cetera, et cetera, my husband and I. And we had no kids yet um, until early, or excuse me, later in 2012 was when we had our first child. But um, going back to all that, it was just, you know, I read the Bible often, but it just wasn't I don't know. I, I just wasn't at that place where I felt like I really needed it every day, you know, um, to the same extent, like back in March of 2002, where I came to this realization, like, I need Jesus in my life, hmm. you know, I, and I need to change, you know, and, and I think that that's kind of the first step of change is that, you know, having some level of self-awareness, like, I need to change and I need this, you know, Mm-hmm. And so it was a slow and steady progression uh, as far as just the whole Bible reading is concerned. From there, obviously being encouraged by your church to do so. Uh, but I remember starting off with like a 90-day reading plan. It was just a 90-day thing. Um, and once I got through that, then I was like, well, if I can do this, I, I really believe that I can keep going here. Let's see what happens. And... I think just at that time, again, I was at a kind of a broken state. You know, I, I think you, you often I hear other people's testimonies and it was, it's, you're at this place of, I just need the change. I'm broken. Like nothing's working anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just where I got to. And it's, it's been primarily using tools that are on my phone mm-hmm. that really mm-hmm. help me. Because it helps, like, you can you can set up your phone to get notifications, like, you missed your reading plan today, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, that keeps you on track. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, the Stacey, the, the Bible clearly promises to be transformational. I mean, we know that mm-hmm. God himself says, you know, mm-hmm. it is living and active. Um, you know, it will right. endure um, throughout eternity. God's word will. Um, but it's it's hard to sometimes see that in the day-to-day, like when you're just mm-hmm. taking the little baby steps. But how, looking back for you, maybe over a span of time, how have you seen that transformation in your own life? Uh, from things mm-hmm. where you're like, clearly, I am not who I was because I have seen God's word change me. Right. Um, you know, just remaining consistent in God's word 
has helped through the ups and the downs. Hmm. Um, it's, you know, on, on the days when, when I actually do look forward to reading it, um, because I'm type A and I'm routine, and especially during all this COVID-19 stuff, it's just <laughs> nice to have something that feels stable right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, this is, uh, this is a piece of my day that's normal, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, this is something that, like, you know, um, is there and it's present and it's consistent. As you referred to, it's alive and active, Hebrews 4.12. And um, I think that, you know, there's also those days where it's just humdrum. It's long, you know, the the kind of cliche saying is the days are long, the years are short, you know. And I think sometimes what has gotten me through the days where I want to read the Bible and the days I don't want to is just knowing that if if I can just remain consistent in this, there's fruit on the other side. Like God promises that. Mm-hmm. There's fruit and there's blessings. Um, you refer to some of that too. And like, God, I want that. I want your blessing. I want that fruit in my life. And so help me, you know, it's like a person in training. It's like when I was growing up swimming and I still even swim today. And there's just some days you just don't want to do it. You know, you just don't want to stick to that plan, but you know that there's so many benefits to it if you keep going. Yeah. You know, if you keep just working your way through it. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, at the beginning, I alluded to the fact that you speak a lot um, to young moms. In fact, um, Mm -hmm. I know you wrote uh, Daily Wisdom for the mommy-to-be. And so anyone listening, Mm -hmm. hey, if you know a a mom who's expecting, here's Mm -hmm. a great resource. But um, clearly, I think so many of us approach um, scripture reading or scripture memory or any kind of spiritual discipline. You know, some of us are like these all-or-nothing people where it's like, Mm -hmm. I can't Mm -hmm. do it unless I have two hours to sit down and read and journal and be all like, you know, Mm -mm. super theological and have 12 commentaries out and stuff. And then Mm -mm. we get obsessive Mm -mm. about it. But I think you're much more about making it attainable. And some days, depending on the Mm -hmm. day, you might have to mix it up. Tell us a little bit about what that looks like to be consistent when maybe you Mm -hmm. can't do as much or in the way that you would want to Mm -hmm. as far as God's word. Yeah. Um, with regards to just reading God's Word every day, there's some days where, yes, I can sit down and actually, like, read it. You know, I can read it on my phone, or I can read it in the Bible itself. And then there's other days where it's like the day has just flown by, and here I am. You know, we, we've gotten ourselves uh, done for the day, if you will, and putting away the dishes at night. Hmm. And it's like, all right, I'm just going to listen to it on my phone while I'm putting the dishes away. You know, and Lord, help this soak in. Mm-hmm. And that's, those are the steps, you know, it's, yeah, it doesn't need to be this glorious, like I've got two hours. And I do think there is something to be said though, about if you can try to do it when there's some quiet time, mm-hmm. you know, because then like, for example, when I'm, you know, putting the dishes away is kind of a, a nice mindless task, you know, or going for a walk or a run. Um, but trying to like, listen to the Bible while like, Responding to an email is not going to work. You know what I mean? Like that mm-hmm. just, because you have to use your, it can't soak into your mind, you know, and in, in, at least for me in those ways. Um, but then again, reading the Bible is really helpful too, because then you just sit down and you can read it word for word. And then if you read over something and you're like, wait a second, what? Mm-hmm. What was that? I just read, you know, then you can go back and reread it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you don't have to have, you know, a, um, a lot of theological books lined up and other things to, you know, sometimes there's just going to be some days when it's like you read it or you listen to it. And it's like, 
that didn't make a whole lot of sense, but God, okay, Hebrews 4.12, you promised that the Word is alive and active, so I trust that maybe there will be a sermon I can hear this week, or maybe there's a song on the radio or a devotional that I'll read that, you know, something's going to come back and help me better understand this. Yeah, that's so true. I often tell young adults when I'm out speaking or whatever, that's one of my things of, of what I wish I would have known in my 20s is a way to find um, or a way to learn to read the Bible um, in a way that works for me. And I think I was mm-hmm. so determined to do what everyone else was doing and what worked for them that then I was mm-hmm. all caught up in, you know, like my one of my best friends loves Daily Audio Bible. She puts it on. Okay. She loves to listen. She's mm-hmm. I tried it. I was on three other topics in my head within like 30 (laughs) seconds. And I don't even know what book I was in. So I was like, nope. (laughs) So like for me, it's all about um, doing studies. So if I'm in a group study and I'm working through a study and I know there's homework and I know that I'm going to be sharing like thoughts and answers with other people Mm -hmm. at some point during the week, that motivates me to do my own study throughout the week. And so that's a big, big deal for me. Um, What would you say just experientially, Stacey, like, do you have a, a favorite portion of scripture that you often go back to or just one even recently or one like your all-time favorite and particularly why is it meaningful to you? Sure. I think I'm just going to kind of piggyback off of most recently um, in my reading plan and just going through the book of, um, uh, sorry, not the book, the story of Joseph. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've also not only just the reflection of Joseph, but also other characters in the Bible. Okay, we're in COVID-19 right now. We've all been dealing with isolation and quarantine and all these things. And so I've just been piggybacking off of Joseph and and reflecting and looking at other characters in the Bible who have also dealt with isolation. Mm -hmm. Okay, Joseph was in prison, (laughs) you know, but I mean, other characters that God just used mightily in their isolation, you know, God trained them up. And so those are stories right now with everything that's going on that I'm I'm holding on to, um, to trust that Romans 8, 28, that God uses all things to work together, you know, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose and plans. Yeah. You know, so God is using this time, even though it doesn't feel like it and it feels gross and awful and we all wish it would end, mm. you know, um, I, I hope and pray that years from now, we'll all have these really cool sh- stories to share, um, these testimonies of what God did during this time. Um, and if it wasn't for this time, then we wouldn't have had that fruit, you know, or that promise fulfilled. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, it's like I whenever I think of Joseph, too, I always think of like he's my example of when you think you are wasting time or wasting your mm-hmm. life. Just look at yeah. him because it's such a luxury yeah. for us to be able to look at the entirety of his life and see where right. it ended up. But when he was in prison, he didn't know how long that was going to be. That was indefinite no. right. <laughs> for him at that point, you know, and right. and clearly people around him were being killed and clearly yeah. he didn't know what his future looked like. And so I just think right. that's so encouraging uh, to know that in the dailiness of life, you know, God, I think it's John Piper that says, you know, God is always doing about 3000 to 10,000 things in your life and you're aware of about mm-hmm. three of them. Um, yes, and I that's, think that's, that's John Piper. <laughs> yeah, that's so good to, yeah. um, to yeah. remember, I think, in, in yeah. that sense um, of just, yeah. you know, keeping that keeping that in mind as far as that goes. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yep. cool. And it's helping helping to endure and run the race. You know, Hebrews 11 is another big, you know, chapter, the hall of faith, you know, mm-hmm. um, 
Heroes of Faith, you know, um, book of the Bible, too. That's just um, a great list of people in the Bible that, again, God used mightily in their hardships, their struggles, their trials, and um, he used them to, again, advance his word and um, bear much fruit for his kingdom. So what would you say, Stacey, kind of going, um, circling back, kind of coming full circle back to your story of, um, Mm -hmm. you know, swimming and I mean, you didn't really allude to this, but the fact is you were quite an elite swimmer. I mean, swimming for the University of Iowa. I mean, you have, um, you know, you've done U.S. Masters swimming events. I mean, you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you've you done a lot. Of, you're not just out there paddling around in the pool. I mean, you did like <laughs> legit stuff. OK, and clearly you say you're still swimming. Looking back on that time period, what do you think God um, taught you the most then? And then how, as you look back, like what what was the purpose for him in in giving you that discipline and bringing you through that season of life in kind of putting that um, extracurricular kind of in, in your scope as far as living mm-hmm. that out. Um, how did it prepare you for where you are today? I believe that swimming helped prepare me for several things. I think it gave me, um, it gave me a lot of discipline uh, to break some um, generational habits um, to, to make some different choices, different choices for my body and my mind. Mm-hmm. I also feel like the the swimming discipline has helped me with, like, for example, the Bible reading plan discipline. Um, You know, again, on those days when you just don't want to do it, you know, uh, and it's like, okay, you know, it's like going back to swimming. It's like, well, I really don't want to get up at 530 this morning. No, wait, 430 this morning (laughs) to go swim, you know. Um, But you know that, like, at the end of the season, that morning swim practice is going to help you get to your goal, you know. Um, and so you start to overlook, you know, some of those humdrum things, if you will, because you want to experience the joy and the exhilaration of the fruit at the end. Right. Um, so I think that that's really helped me stay motivated throughout a lot of this. It's built a lot of resilience too. You know, even during the pandemic this past summer, when the pools didn't open, I was like, all right, I guess there's open water swimming. I live in Minnesota, you know, (laughs) (laughs) let's go jump in the lake. You know, I mean, it's just, it wasn't my, you know, wasn't exactly like what I really wanted to do. I'd rather be in a pool, but I have grown to love open water swimming as an adult. Um, You know, so it's just, it helps you to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. You know, we are definitely in a season right now where we just got to put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. You know? Yep. And, you know, if you're getting up out of bed in the morning and you can take a shower and, you know, eat your breakfast and get going throughout the day, like you're, you're doing good, you mm-hmm. know, you're, we're doing good, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, well, and so that's, that's what I feel like that season has helped a lot with right now. Yeah, that's such a great reminder. And, and again, just even tying it back to, you know, God will always um, honor 
time with him and us, you know, putting mm-hmm. in and, and saying, you know what, God, I'm going to prioritize you today to, you know, I, right. in, in any of my day and what's going on, I'm prioritizing you and I want to be in relationship with you and I want to hear from you and lean in and, and God always meets us where we are and, and honors that. And so, well, this is mm-hmm. a, such a, a good conversation. Stacy. I'm so excited that you um, carved out some time to chat with us today. And um, folks, for those of you listening, you can definitely, we're going to link uh, to Stacy's website. You can find out more about her and even uh, things, other um, ideas and, and tips around scripture and reading scripture that she has given. And uh, just thanks so much for, for really weighing in on this, Stacy, and giving us the encouragement and really the motivation to say, hey, maybe this is something, especially now in a new year, that I can go after mm-hmm. in, a, in a great new way. So we appreciate it. Thanks a lot for having me, Lisa. It was great talking to you. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me, for the Bible tells me so. I want to go back to this little light, gonna let it shine, gonna let it shine. Well, as we finish out the show this week, we are opening up our inbox, as we often do. And I'm going to go ahead and answer this week's question, which is about finding a spouse. And it's kind of the age-old dilemma of how much we're responsible for versus what is God responsible for. So our listener asks, I'm a single guy, and I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the idea of God leading you to your future spouse versus having to seek one out for yourself. At the moment, I don't have many options for meeting a potential partner. Is it my fault that I'm single, or is this a prolonged season of singleness to teach me life lessons? Um, Okay, so good question. And, you know, there's kind of some yeses in here. There's kind of some noes in here. So hopefully I can help you um, parse it all out. So the first thing I want to assure you of is that, um, and this is, I think, so comforting for those of us who are believers, and that is God has literally numbered your days and ordered your steps. Uh, That is throughout scripture. Um, That is very much like I I found it very comforting. And I mentioned this um, when I wrote my book, The Dating Manifesto, this whole idea that um, God is not like, because he's given my friends husbands does not mean that he had to withhold one from me. He's not limited in his resources. In other words, he's not up in heaven, wringing his hands, wondering like, oh my goodness, well, I could make this happen for everyone else. But for Lisa, she's a special case. I don't really know what to do with her. I'm not going to be able to find someone for her. It's like God is totally in control and can do whatever he wants. He could find me a husband tomorrow. He could have me marry someone that I've known for 20 years, you know, whatever. It's just God, all of this is entirely within his control, and he loves to give good gifts to his children. That said, 
Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, we know that our days aren't ordered so that they're just all, you know, picture perfect. Okay. We know that sin is in the world, that there's a lot of um, brokenness as a result of that. We know that God has allowed bad things to happen to people. And while he's never out to rain on our parade or make, you know, our day horrible, uh, he very much is allowing uh, circumstances, both good and bad, to shape our days. And he does, you know, we know scripture says the rain falls on the just and on the unjust. And so uh, there are some things in life that from our perspective, it just looks like they're just happening. Obviously, there's a bigger purpose in them because God has that purpose. But, you know, sometimes we, we can't get all angsty about like, did I make the wrong move? Is God punishing me for this? You know, first of all, he's not punishing you if you are in Christ because all of his punishment and all of his wrath was poured out on Christ. And so we have to remember that first and foremost. That said, um, you did ask the question of, uh, what's your responsibility? I always say the way I like to um, explain this is the idea of like, you know, God steering a moving vehicle, uh, steering a moving vehicle in the sense of, um, you know, you just move about you're you're putting one foot in front of the other, you are living your life, you're being faithful, you're listening to God, you're in his word, uh, the more that you are informed by scripture and by wisdom and by doing the things that God says to do, you know, there are some things that are clearly outlined in scripture. For the rest, there's a lot of latitude, and that's totally fine. You go about your day and your life, and God will steer you as he sees fit. And there are a lot of options, you know, within the, uh, within the parameters that he gives. And so I always say, you know, definitely, like, trust God, you know, and realize that he's going to go ahead and, and bring you to places and bring people into your path that, you know, are, are very good in that sense, that probably will be potential dates or potential spouses. But at the same time, live with an open hand. This isn't like you have to completely construct something or make, you know, if you happen to choose someone and not, you know, this other person that your whole life is ruined. Very rarely is that the case. And so, um, I think we do have a responsibility. You know, you ask, ask the question of, you know, is it my fault that I'm single? Well, you know, not necessarily. I, I say that, you know, I'm still single. I never expected to be single this long. And I don't think God is like, you know, well, Lisa, remember that day in August in, you know, when you were 24 and whatever, and he's like making some kind of consequence from it. But at the same time, I think there are definite things like um, being open to marriage, being a healthy individual, loving the Lord, pursuing the Lord first. All of those things that we put in place are going to make us more marriable and put us in the path of more eligible Christian singles. I mean, so there are some things that we definitely can do. Um, but that said, you don't need to worry about like, am I doing enough? Because again, ultimately, there are several people that have to be involved in this decision. You're going to be involved. Whoever you end up dating and or marrying is going to be involved. And God himself is going to be involved. And so you do your part. You be open to the idea of marriage. You be open hearted in it. You be growing in your walk with the Lord and in your skills relationally and otherwise. Um, you be in good community and out and about and trusting God for marriage and praying about marriage. 
and then let God do his work. And don't worry about a timeline or about an age or about what that looks like, because God is always going to meet you in every season you're in and give you exactly the good gifts that you need for that season. So hopefully that will free you up a little bit in your pursuit and in trusting God, even in singleness. Um, I hope you have great friendships around you, because while we're not all called to marriage, we are all called to relationship. And so we've got to have good uh, good people in our lives in order to accomplish that. So hopefully that'll get you on your way. All right, folks. Well, that's it for this week's show. We do want to hear from you. So write to us at editor at boundless.org. Make sure you're following the site, uh, the articles, and you're following the show and sharing it with your friends. We would love it if you would do that. Meanwhile, I will see you around next week. I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of boundless.org. Focus on the family.